Good morning, I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're so pleased to be in the offices of The Street with Mr. Erwin Eichmann, the Chief Business Officer for The Street as our in-studio guest. Erwin, welcome to the program. Thank you, Darrell. Welcome for having me. You know, I really appreciate you interrupting your very busy day. I was walking through the offices. There's a lot of energy here at The Street. But before we jump into what is going on here at The Street, Tell our audience a little bit about your background, your experiences, and some highlights. It's great you asked because in a certain respect, all my experiences, education, have really led me to this, this role at the street, which, I'm, which is really a lot of fun. So I, I graduated from Yale with a double major in economics, electrical engineering. And at the time, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. So I went to Stanford for law school. And so I had this sort of negotiating economics, technology background, when I graduated in 1989 from Stanford, uh, Silicon Valley was still made of silicon. And when I really mean made of silicon, I mean it was chip manufacturing and biotech. There wasn't an internet. So I, still, I came back to east to practice law. And I practiced law in Washington, Paris, Budapest, and then New York, mostly in mergers and acquisitions. Uh, joined the NBC legal department, that's NBC television, and was worked there and eventually hired to do corporate development at cnbc.com and that in that role I learned media and digital media and from there I then spent the next 11 years I took another veer on my career path to Morgan Stanley spent 11 years in wealth management at Morgan Stanley mostly as a deal negotiator mostly in wealth management learned a lot about the ins and outs of Wall Street so when rounding it all up when I came here to the street I had the technology background, the media background, and the Wall Street background to really roll it up into like one neat package. Wow, you know, you're probably, there's only one other guest that I think that rises to your level of breadth and depth of experience. There's a gentleman named Scott Perizinski who is an astronaut. He's the yeah. guy who actually went up in space and fixed the satellite. But he's also climbed Mount Everest. But I don't know, I think you got him with the double major with electrical engineering. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell us about the, the, the street. What's going here at the street? And I know uh, Jim Cramer is an investor in it. Uh, so, so, so let me start with what the street is and where we are and because people may not have heard of it. So we're, we're, the street is based in New York, right across the New York Stock Exchange. And we are an internet publisher of financial news and stock market advice. And our goal is to deliver actionable insights for both individuals and for financial institutions. So we cover Wall Street, is, is where the street is. And we cover um, consumer money markets through Rate Watch, which looks at rate, CD rates, mortgage rates. We cover personal finance through Main Street. And then M&A and deal making through our deal subsidiary. And we were, as you mentioned, we were founded in 1996 by Jim Cramer, who most people know from Mad Money, but when he founded the street, Mad Money was still a glimmer in his eye. And um, are you really focused on the individual consumer, or do you have a hybrid where you also, the professional money man managers, would follow you as well? So the, the, when we founded the street, the goal was to, to demystify Wall Street. So to take the jargon of Wall Street, to take what's happening, and to put it to a level where an individual can figure out how to buy and sell stocks for themselves and how to manage their own money. And so that was the original mission, and that still is our mission. It turns out that a lot of professional money managers really like our, our advice and commentary, 
and then they use that in their own in their own professions but again the goal was the individual how can you manage your own money and Jim says on TV my goal is not to entertain you but it's to educate you as well and that's what we do here at the street I think he, he achieves both <laughs> yes he does I, I've enjoyed him over the years you know I, I'm, I'm a former employee of Dow Jones I was in Dow Jones financial news services there's Bloomberg Thomson Reuters um, why was the street founded with, with all this this high-level competition so I don't think of Dow Jones as our competition, and I don't think of Bloomberg as our competition either, because Dow Jones and Bloomberg, they're really serving the needs of people who are professional money managers. And what I mean by that is people whose day job it is to look after your money. They spend all day in front of that terminal thinking about it. Most of the listeners here don't spend all day. They want to know, how can I retire safely? How can I pick stocks? What's really going on? That's where we are. And we're looking for the people who aren't full-time, professional, accredited, licensed, lots of degrees. We're looking for people who are smart and interested in, in their own financial future. And how has your audience uh, grown over the years? So our audience has grown through the, the various subsidiaries. So we started with just the street and really being a st almost a stock message board. And now we are do that bit, but also mobile social, uh, CD rates, mortgage rates, personal finance, and M&A and deal making. And have you ventured into uh, TV yet? Uh, we do video, a lot of video. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing 20 to 25 videos a day. And the next thing in the internet, I don't know why I even call it the internet anymore, <laughs> but the next thing right. in, in, in uh, digital media is video because people like to watch video, right? So it's, it's whether it's on the television or it's a Netflix or Hulu or wherever, they want to watch video. We're producing 20 to 25 videos a day. You can see them on your mobile devices anywhere and everywhere. That's right. And now with smart TVs, uh, folks are intermixing their experience with their, with their uh, TV sets. Oh, absolutely. We're on smart TVs also. We're on Roku and Samsung and Apple. And a couple okay. Of so you're up on the, uh, the Samsung App Store? I believe we are. I have to go check. Um, there's just so many apps on there. There really are That's a lot, great. yes. And, and what is the business philosophy of the street? So the business philosophy of the street is to put the right people in the right products. So we want to have different products for different levels of sophistication about financial investing. So some people will just want to read business and financial news. They want it for free. And for them, we have a free website, thestreet.com. But sophisticated individual investors who are really trying to manage their own money realize that to make money you have to spend money. That's one of those old adages. And so we have sophisticated advice from them in subscription products ranging from $49 a year to $5,000 a year. And some people, a $49 product is all that they really need. And for other people who are managing a lot of their own money, a $5,000 product might be right for them. And then following our acquisition of the deal uh, in, in 2012, we also serve institutional investors, serve private money managers, and deal makers and mergers and acquisitions with must-have business information. Wow, that's good. Um, and have you uh, parlayed this into uh, conferences for investors? So we do. We have a few, but that's not our main line of business. Mm -hmm. We think that the people want it when they want it, and delivering it through digital media, through whatever platform and device, is a great way for people to get that instantaneous information rather than going to a conference. Mm -hmm. And what are the big plans for the street? So 
to succeed big in any business, you have to dream big. And we have some really big dreams and big game changers for 2014. The first and foremost is we're launching a new content platform. And so for people who are not in publishing, content platform sounds a little bit esoteric, but it means that we want to get people to be able to publish on our site much easier, faster, and that when I say people, it's not just journalists, but people who have their views on stocks, who may be money managers, who may be home gamers, as, as Jim Cramer likes to say. And so we'd like to publish more of these independent voices on news and analysis of the stock market. You know, and for that content, um, how is that content? I mean, I think that's a great idea to allow folks to weigh in with their thoughts and opinions. Uh, but how will this information be curated? Will it be an editor? So it's, this is going to be editor curated. It's a great question. Um, so some places are blogs, and anyone can publish a blog. Ours is going to be journalist editor curated, so we will review the articles, we'll make sure they're right, we'll make sure it's a credible point of view, and then we'll, we'll hit the publish button. So when you come to the street, you'll have that level of quality that you may not have just going to some random blog. Right. Um, will you have a penalty box for those who may misbehave a little bit? Uh, actually, not only will we have a penalty box, but we will actually reject people. Of course. So, so not, all the, not all the people and not all the submissions will be accepted for publication. You know, I talk to a lot of uh, small investor groups, you know, people have their little investment clubs, and I was telling a couple of folks I was coming in to, to interview, and they said, oh, that's great. They said, it would be great if they could provide investment clubs some tools. And I said, you know what, I haven't been through the entire site, but there's a lot of tools up there. One tool that they thought would be good would to be able to communicate with their members via your site and, and, and for what they wanted to have it to be public, to, to have a public chat, but also to have a private chat for those things that they just want to talk about. Yeah, that's groups. a great idea. I hadn't actually thought about that, to create a, like, a little investment club network within the street. I, I really like that yeah. idea. Because as they read headlines, they say, oh, I want to share this with so-and-so, and be able to share it, but also it helps them to keep an organization of what they've shared. You know, I am taking notes as we speak. Okay. <laughs> But what other what other tools do you, do you provide for uh, the different individuals? So, so for the individuals, we provide the usual tools, which is quotes and ratings and charts. Um, what we're looking to do is provide portfolios in a way to aggregate your portfolios all in one place. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of people don't have this problem with multiple accounts, but some people do have multiple accounts. Sure. You have your regular account, your bank account, your four hundred one k account, maybe a four hundred one k account from your previous job. You want to bring those all into one place mm -hmm. to see the, the portfolio as a whole and then make decisions from there. And so we'd like to do that in 2014. That's, 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 that's on the roadmap. Very nice. Very nice. And, and, and talking about leadership, walking through an office, I can usually get a good vibe or a bad vibe. Here I got a very good vibe. What is the culture like here at the street? Uh, also, I'm a graduate of Seton Hall. I teach at Seton Hall University. We actually have a trading room at Seton Hall University. So. Uh, I'm going to be trying to get our grads over here, but what type of uh, culture environment do you have here? So I, we have a culture of excellence, and, mm -hmm. and everyone's going to say they have a culture of excellence, but we really do have a culture of excellence. The idea is that we want to train our people to be the best, and we want our people to, we have a, it's a relatively small company, 300 people, and so we want everyone to know everything and we want everyone to understand each other's job functions mm -hmm. so they can, we can all contribute. So I could be working on one side of the business, 
but I'm making my views known on another side. They're making their views known on us. It's a very collaborative environment, so it's fun. So when the first-time employee starts, what is their, their first 30 days like? Is there orientation? Is there employee handbook? Um, no, we are a very small company, so there is no employer orientation. There is no handbook. You come right to the floor and you go right, right into meetings. There's no half But that's a day. something, though. But there, there's something right that's happening. So you're doing something right. There's some type of secret sauce. Well, not, not secret sauce, but special sauce, if you will, that everyone is performing at such a high level of excellence. The, the special sauce is finding the right people. Mm -hmm. So that you want to find people who are intellectually curious, mm -hmm. who are high energy, who, who want to make a difference. Right. And um, you're not looking for people who are just looking for a paycheck and looking to fill out their job. You, you want people who are excited in your mission. And our mission is to bring the Wall Street to the individual investor. Fantastic, fantastic. And when did you first realize your aspirations to be a leader? I didn't really aspire to be a leader. Uh, it just happened along the way. Like a lot of good careers, it just <laughs> happens along the way, and you're like, at the end of it, you go, is this what, what I became? So I, I like to talk about one of the formative books that I've read, because I'm, I'm a big reader too. Um, so Marshall Goldsmith wrote a great book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There about career trajectories. And in it, he has a great observation about the beginning, middle, an upward trajectory of a person's career. So for people who are starting out, um, you start out, you get a job, you're hired for a particular task. And so you want to be the go-to person for that task. It may be analytics, maybe doing presentations or research or whatever it is. You want to be the go-to person. So whenever someone has a question on it, they come to you. So that's the beginning. And then you're ready for the next level. In the next, in the middle level, and I'll get to leadership in a minute. I mean, it's a digression. We have plenty of time. No, 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 no. This is very good. This is very good. In the middle level, they've realized that you're the master, so you, you, they put you in charge of a small team on that subject matter. So you're, you have three to ten people that you're working with on that subject matter. Whenever someone comes to you, you sort of lead that team. But you're also broadening your experience because you're not just doing that task. You have to work with other groups within the company or within people outside the company. To, who have different objectives and skill sets that you have, and you need to understand and master that sort of how to work with other groups, how to make your small team work to get to the next level. And the last level would be the upward trajectory I call the leadership level, where you no longer do the task yourself. You no longer are doing it. What you're doing is you're working with other people who have teams and other people who have groups to try to figure out the strategy and how to work well together, and then you're leading and managing other people to get the work done. And that's much more of a tricky task of being a leader because it's not you're at your desk doing your own task, it's you're helping other people to manage their teams to do their own tasks, if you think of it at that meta level. Now, of course, if you found your own company and you're in startup land, that's a totally different version. You can lead from day one. But if you're not founding your own company, this is the way you, this is usually the career trajectory. You know, I, I, I agree with you 100%. There's a book that I read some years ago called The Leadership Pipeline. But it also talked about, you know, you were promoted because you did these things good at this level. But now you're at a different level and you have to learn the new learn to new, uh, do new things and don't do those things that you did before because that's someone else's job. It's not only someone else's job, but I've seen people 
failed because they tried to keep their old job. They tried to be that person who stays up late trying to get their job done rather than delegating it to someone else. Or actually, when I say delegating, I shouldn't mean delegating. I mean, you find someone else who's as good as you were to take over your job so that you can do the next job. That's right. Uh, in, in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he talks about finding the right people, um, but also demonstrating how companies can get scale. And he talked about, I always tell people when they talk to me about the concerns with management, I said, read Chapter 3, because Chapter 3 uh, uh, talks about the, the, the manager who did it right and the manager who wants to control everything and micromanage yeah, everything. I, I love Good to Great. It's one, of, it's one of my go-to books when I think about leadership and management because it's a book about two companies side by side who had this who were started the same place but one made one got to great and one did then what did they do to get to great and one of the great things is, is the people if you focus on the people and you focus on managing them well you get to you get to great a lot quicker than if you focus on other things and how would you define or describe your leadership style so I have a very informal leadership style and and it's um, it's manifested by listening to others and making sure that my team knows that I'm there for them and to hear what their points of view are because I'm not hiring people on my teams to just take my orders because I can't know everything. As much as I want to know everything, I can't know everything. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of um, managing by walking around, which is a management technique where you literally go and just talk to people and you see what they're doing and, and you try to, to motivate them to do their best and to excel. And it's a little bit like a coach of a winning team. And, and I, I use the sports metaphor, sports analogy, and a lot of people do it. It's a little bit cheesy. But when you, when you think about the coach of a good team, the coach of a good team has to find some players. Started with a team. They were given a team. They have to come up with some new players once in a while. The players each play slightly different positions. You have to figure out what's right for each player. And then you have to get them to work together. And then you have to motivate them to win and excel not just to play out the season. Right. And, and, that's, and that's one of my great analogies. So I'm, I like to be the coach. And the other thing about a coach is the team wins, the coach doesn't win. You talk about the team winning, not the coach winning. So I want to make sure the team wins. And when the team wins, I want to give the kudos to the whole team, not myself. And last but not least, again, it's a sports analogy, but you want to make it fun. You want people to come to practice, or sorry, come to job every day and say, this is fun. I actually right. enjoy coming here. That's right. You know, recently, Lou Aldang, who was traded from the Chicago Bulls over to uh, Cleveland, he talked about how the atmosphere there was very unprofessional. Um, and then he gave a situation where the Cleveland uh, team was here in New York, and that night they all went out with J.R. Richards. Yeah. And they were partying until 1 in the morning, and they all looked bad the next day, and, and they lost. But when you, but when you look at the, the coaching situation, you think here's a professional basketball team that the players are not showing up to practice on time, they're not doing this, not doing that, and then people wonder why they're losing. It's, it's, if a business is performing badly, uh, typically it's because there's, the leadership is not consistent. Correct. Correct, and the leadership goes around from picking the right people right. to running the right practices, I mean running the right daily, daily operations, yes. and then you get some wins and you, you get that under your belt and you get a little bit of confidence and people want to perform better because, you know, when in sports everyone wants to be on a winning team or rooting for a winning, everyone wants to work for a winning company. Absolutely. You want to work for a company that's making money, that's, that's advancing your own career, but 
you that you get known for like I work for that company that's great mm -hmm. and what are the key, are the many traits that a leadership a leader has to have what do you think are the, the three or four top key traits that a leader should have? So I think the three top is, and I mentioned one already, which is being a great coach. I think being a great coach is, is being a great leader. Uh, two would be being a great teacher. So in addition to being a great coach, you need to be able to teach people to do your skills. So before I talked about how you had a skill set in the beginning part of your career that you went to and, and broadened, but you have to teach someone else how to do that, that skill set. When you're a leader, you have to teach the people who are running teams how to manage their team so they can eventually take your job. And you, and when you say take your job, as I really mean it, I want someone to do all my work so I can go on and do a bigger job or to be able to manage more people. So you're teaching the next group of people to do what you're doing now. And for that, you need to find teachable moments, find... Uh, people who are naturally curious and want to learn and then bring them along in the learning. Um, and then you have to be a great mentor. And what does it mean to be a mentor? To be a great mentor is to have good relationships with people and to figure out what they want and help them develop what they want and develop the tool sets. So some, everyone comes to, comes to your table with sets of positives and some sets of negatives. So you mm -hmm. want to emphasize the positives and you want to work with them on mm -hmm. overcoming the negatives or, or finding the things that are right for their negatives. And those, being a great mentor may not be keeping the people at your company. It may be saying, this may not be the right fit for you or you may have another opportunity elsewhere, mm -hmm. but they stay your friends and then you, they stay mentor, mentors, mentees for you later on. I've actually had the opportunity of some folks that I had uh, let go come back years later and thank me uh, because it allowed them to really look at do some self-reflection and look at where their shortcomings were which was a pleasant surprise it is a pleasant and it usually doesn't happen and it usually takes years before they come back to you and thank you right <laughs> and um, how does one prepare themselves to to be a great leader um, for those who are just you know coming out of B school or, or, or liberal arts college and, and they're on the job for a couple of years what are the things that they can do to prepare themselves? Uh, so I think if you're just out of B school, just out of liberal arts college, you still have to become, you have to do the first part of the, your, your career phase, which you have to be a master of whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you have to be intellectually curious and want to get to that next level. But you should also work on the collaborative skills, the teaching skills, the being part of good team skills. So to be part of a good leader, I said you have to be a good coach and a good teacher. There's no reason you can, at the beginning, being part of a coaching on the peer level, which you do you know, as you grow up in the career as well. So coaching other people without literally telling them what to do because they don't report to you. Mm -hmm. That's the same skill level you will have in senior management to be able to coach people who are other senior managers who don't report to you from as a peer level. Um, you can also think about what did you what are good teachers versus bad teachers? You've had plenty of teachers in your life. So what does a good teacher do? What does a bad teacher do? How do I, how do I mimic the, the, the skill sets of a good teacher? How do I be a good friend, which is the mentor? How do I be a good mm -hmm. friend and mentor to someone? They don't have to work for me. You can have a mentor that's, that, that's at your level as well. One of the, the things that I found to be very helpful um, is to find leaders among the, uh, the ranks and folks who are trying to learn how to be a good leader 
because uh, oftentimes when you introduce a new plan or new incentive plan, you always had the naysayers. Right. Uh, but you also had the folks that you could coach them and say, hey, I appreciate it if you just state the facts as they are correctly. Um, have you found that useful uh, throughout your career? I don't. I, I try to stay away from the naysayers because being a naysayer, it just is no. Say, but working with the, the folks who will who will put. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You. So when you spend your time in any place, you always want to be aligned with people who you like, and who you think are going to stick around, and who are going to be good people and, and right. advance in their careers. It's it's just it's, it's natural habit. Not the people who are going to leave and, and be naysayers, and. One of the other bits of advice I can give for younger people is that there's leadership opportunities abound even in large companies and even for the more junior people. You just have to find them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a, um, a, a charitable program or a volunteer program, whether it's a, um, a party committee or something where they're looking for people to help celebrate the company's something or other. Mm -hmm. There are these leadership programs and some of the larger companies even have a young leadership program for people who are younger mm -hmm. um, who, who can join a networking group. So there's all these opportunities but you have to go out and get them for yourself. And the people who go out and get them for themselves are seen as the next generation of leaders because they're the ones who want to do these who aren't asked to. Finally, even in your own job there comes a time where you're sitting in your boss's staff meeting and they're saying about some initiative that they want to do and people just look around the table and no one really wants to take it because they're too busy. Right. That's, a, that's a role for leadership too. You can step up and take that, take that on and then try to figure out how to get it done. You know, there's been a lot of articles written about the millennials. Um, do you find that you have to manage them differently or and if you do, what are the techniques that you use? I, I actually haven't found that at the street, which is which is great. I haven't found that the, the, mm -hmm. the millennials are, are that much different from you and I. Mm -hmm. and, and I will say you and I just because I'm older and I yeah, won't speak to you, you Daryl. <laughs> I've heard these gray hairs. <laughs> but I think what mm -hmm. we're looking for is, and, and, and millennials do need to be managed differently, I understand that, but in the end, we're looking for the same type of people. We're looking for people who are naturally curious, who want to learn, and who want to contribute. And there's various ways to contribute, but if you're that type of person, that's natural for leadership. Let's talk about some of your heroes. Who's one of your, your top heroes and why? So, so I, got, I have one top hero for you, okay. and it's going to make me sound very 20th century. <laughs> but that's Jack Welch, and uh, well, he's one of mine as well. So we're, we're in the same club. We're in the same club. <laughs> so, 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 seeing Jack Welch as you hear is very much no longer in style, and the millennials may even say, "Who is Jack Welch?" So Jack ran uh, General Electric for several decades, and he took it from, in the terms of good to great, he took it from a company that was good to a company that was great, and since he left, it sort of meandered for the last decade. Mm -hmm. But his was a pure leadership strategy, and his leadership strategy was simply to hire and retain the best people and to train them and make them better. So let me talk about that for a second, Please. because Jack was, he was not, I worked at GE for three years when, uh, at NBC when NBC was owned by GE, and he wasn't my former formal mentor in any shape or form. I did meet him once, and in, in, interestingly enough, GE bought a small campus at Crotonville, New York, for, a, for a, a training center for GE managers, and we went there once in the late 90s, and he spoke at one of the sessions, and what I remember 
then and I remember now was Jack says his primary role as CEO is listening to people going around mentoring his direct reports and senior management and not doing any other work really. So he just went around and talked to people and listened and coached them to be their best and that stuck with me, you've heard me talk about that already um, because he spent most of his time listening, finding the right people, training them and then grooming them by giving them a variety of roles and a variety of different uh, learning experiences so they could become better managers. Wow, Erwin, believe it or not, we are out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank our guest, Mr. Erwin Eichmann, who's the Chief Business Officer for The Street. Erwin, I want to thank you for coming on the program. Thanks very much, Terrell. This has been a fantastic interview. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much, too. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, streaming on the net at WSOU.net. And remember, you can catch all of our past uh, uh, shows on iTunes U, Seton Hall University, under the program Leadership. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.